eight of the Throwdown Thursday podcast. I am your host, Patrick Rayholt, but you can call me Patsy the Angry Nerd, and we are broadcasting here from the uh, quarantine pat cave deep within uh, Magenta Manor. And, uh, of course, we are brought to you by Deadly Grounds Coffee because we are part of the Dorkening Network. And uh, for the second time this week, I am joined by my co-host on the show and my co-host in life. She is... The Baroness of Bordeaux, the <laughs> Mistress of Merlot, the Countess of Cabernet, the Real Housewife of Transylvania, the Michael Phelps of Wine, the Queen of the Monsters, and an Honorary Lizzie. Ladies and gentlemen, it is Ashes Von Nightmare. Hello. I shouldn't have added all those. Now I'm not going to remember that. I'm going to have to like... You have to keep like a running tab I'm going to have to write a note and stick it up on like take down one of my pictures and just put Every that Every time up. you add something to it, just get like a whiteboard. The Baroness of Bordeaux just, oh, I do have a whiteboard right over there. The Baroness of Bordeaux like just came to me right this second. That was that, that was good. I actually like that one. Yeah. So, uh. I mean, ultimately it's the Mistress of Merlot. Right. But, you know, but, you have many titles. This is true. <clears throat> like Apollo in uh, Rocky IV. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, we are, uh, we are still, uh, Sheltering in place as, as much still as trucking, Still trucking, still alive. That's a good thing. And uh, if you are doing the same, uh, thank you for staying home and not spreading Yeah, but like, like seriously, like seriously, how are you guys? Yeah, like, this is a serious well. question. Like we care about you guys. We love you guys a lot. Like I hope you guys are doing okay. Hope you are doing well. Hope you are, are if you are quarantined, you know, I hope you are, are thriving Hope you have plenty of snacks. Yes, quarantine snacks are are vital at this point, and quarantine booze are very vital. That's very vital as well. I've found um, that uh, I have lots of snacks, but I have yet to eat all of my snacks. Like I bought uh, two boxes of um, little Debbie. I got some zebra cakes and some uh, cookies and cream cakes, and there's still a thing of zebra cakes left. Mm-hmm. I got those like two weeks ago. I bought almost a week ago. I bought my box of pop tarts because I haven't had pop tarts in literal years, and the pop tarts have been unopened. Well, grocery shopping has become something. I, I, so it's a it's different like a kind of monster. Hunt, but you don't days. have a list. Right. I was texting with my sister about it because you know you go in with a grocery list and you're lucky if you can find half of the items on your list. And she was like, "Yeah, it's like the." Worst episode of Chopped ever. Yes. If you're familiar with the Food Network show Chopped, it's when these chefs are given just a random basket of stuff and they need to make something, something delicious, something edible, something, you know, appetizing out of these items. So that's kind of what it feels like a little bit. It's like, okay, well, I have uh, a pear and some soy chicken and some cough drops. <laughs> Make something. And a handful uh, of trail mix. <laughs> Can you use the cough the cough drops, melt them down, make a gastric on the plate. It's all about the plate. Cherry throat lozenge jubilee. <laughs> but but seriously, we hope you guys are doing well. If you need anything at all, please don't hesitate to reach out. We'll yeah. see what we can do. Even if you just need somebody to chat with, because I 
am Dude, starting to get stir crazy being home same, every fucking day. Same. So I mean, I'm I'm still working, but my work environment has changed drastically. We now have to wear masks. We have to, you know, social distance ourselves, you know, as much as we possibly can. Um, you know, so it's to the point where I just have headphones in all day, you know, doing what I'm doing, trying to, you know, contribute to the coronavirus research that's going on. But it's just, I, I feel so like hungry for hu- actual human interaction. So anytime anybody talks to me at work, it's like, no, please don't walk away from me. Talk to me some more, please. Oh my God. I know. And I, I have, you know, a call each day with my, my coworkers and we talk about like what's going on with and what's happening with the, you know, work stuff. And we try to have a little bit of socialization, but we also have a lot of work to do, but uh, I haven't met most of my coworkers. Like I started this job about three weeks ago and, you know, I met the president CEO who I, who I uh, interviewed with. And I know someone, our, our good friend, Jenny, uh, works there and she was the one who kind of was like hey this job is open you know i thought of you but i haven't met any of my other co-workers because your first well partial week there is the first week they decided to shut down yeah the first actual week, work activities like i got hired on a thursday no monday monday and i was going to start the following week i was going to do tuesday and thursday but that month, that Sunday night, they're like, "Hey, we're, you know, we're shutting the office. We're all going to work from home, which is great because everybody has a, a, a work computer." And I just got mine this weekend, which is awesome, because my main computer, which I was doing everything on, uh, we had some sort of weird power outage, and it screwed up the computer. And I've not been, I, I can't get sound or anything. So now I'm running this out of my laptop, uh, and my laptop is not very powerful. But you know it's it's doing what we need it to do for uh, for the podcast. But now I got to figure out a whole new system. Uh, I don't know. It's it's crazy. And not to mention when you do have the opportunity to voyeur outside of the home to go get provisions and whatnot. That whole, you know, aesthetic has changed. I don't want to be around whole... anybody because everybody's well, fucking gross. Well, I mean, there's there's that. But, you know, a lot of stores are now, you know, you have to you have to be six feet away from somebody. And they only let so many people in the store at once to kind of help with the population control and, you know, social distancing and, 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 and whatnot. And I and I get it. I totally get it. You know, uh, people are in gloves or in masks. I now wear, you know, a mask whenever I'm out. I do too. Um, you know, just to be just to be on the safe side. But you know, constantly I have you know hand sanitizer with me at all times, and it's just so so. You know, and then you when you actually get into the store, seeing the store, the layout. You know, they're they're out of so many different things. You know, it's just it's so surreal. I never thought that I would actually have to live through something like this. I never thought we would ever be in this situation. Well, you know, we know why it is. Well, I mean, politics aside, though, you know, something like this, it's just you never imagine that you're going to be in this type of situation. So I know for me, like it kind of, it kind of fucks with my mental health a little bit, you know, being inside, you know, having everything canceled and whatnot, you know, things that I was looking forward to kind of feel like 
all work and no play. And I, I don't think I'm the only one. You know, no, you're definitely not. Like, I know, and, and I'm not just talking about myself. Like, I know a lot of people who are like, it's oh, depressing. my God. Like, and, it, and it's difficult trying to not go down this rabbit hole of being depressed. But, you know, if you are, definitely reach out. Like, we're here for you. And if you have anxiety, I have anxiety. I have, you know, anxiety. I don't take any medication for it. I, I usually have things under control. I know exactly what I need to do in order to make things go, make things work. Seem pretty level-headed all the time, but this has just kind of sent my my anxiety just skyrocketing. I have days where I feel like I'm just going to... I'm like one panic attack away from just burning the whole thing down, you know? Yeah, it's it's, it's crazy. It's, it's crazy. And, like, you really, I keep saying it's crazy, but, like, it is. It's crazy. I can't think of any better word for it right now. So, so please, if you are feeling the same way, you know, let me know. I mean, I know I'm not the only one. And I'm just trying to let you know that you're not the only one. And if you need anything, please do not hesitate to reach out. Seriously. Yeah, I mean we we had a great like little stress relief thing. Like we did a uh we did like a video conference with a couple of our friends and you know we just chatted and, and drank and social media right now is hit or miss for me. Oh yeah. But social mediums like Skype and Zoom whereby and different apps that let you video chat and communicate with people have been a blessing because, you know, it's given us the opportunity to have some human interactions, have decent conversations with, with, with people that's not across a keyboard. You know, I, I love social media for what it is for the most part. It's a great tool to promote yourself. It's a great tool to connect and stay connected with certain people, but it can also be misused. And a lot of people are misusing it with misinformation and stuff right now but you know which again can really fuck with your mental health i know a lot of people who have completely removed themselves from facebook and and not so much instagram instagram's pretty cool um you know and twitter you know just to kind of get away from from you know the the bullshit for lack of a better word so you know if you if you need anything we are here for you Absolutely. I just, you know, I just want to yep. know how you're doing. Like, are you okay? Are you working? You know, I, I know a lot of people. I feel, I feel really grateful to. I mean, as stressful as it as it is right now, I feel really grateful to still be working. You know, um, I know a lot of people who have been furloughed, who are on unemployment, who are still trying to get on unemployment, and you know, it just kind of shows all the holes that are in the system. Hmm. Right now, so I'm hoping that the light at the end of the tunnel, the the silver lining of all of this is that we get to see all of the holes in our different programs and our social programs, like unemployment, in our health care, in our insurances and stuff, you know, so we can address it and ultimately fix it. But that'd be you know, nice. I mean, it it would be. I mean, maybe it's a maybe. I'm I'm dreaming, you know. But uh, it it would be nice to to kind of learn from our mistakes in case something like this were to ever happen again. I hope it doesn't because we're still not out of the woods yet. However, some kind of nice news 
is that my my sister has a friend who lives over in Japan. She is an English teacher over in Japan, and they started school again this week. So that's kind of a nice thing. It's like, okay, it does end. I know a lot of times, you know, especially right now, it just feels like, oh my God, is this ever going to stop? Is it ever going to end? You know, like everything is being canceled. You know, we're canceling things into May, into June now. Fuck, if if this affects Ashtober, I'm going to burn everything. Burn it all down. It's all going away. I just uh, I can't even think about that. Um, there's so many crazy things. So, you know, there is an end. There's a light at the end of the tunnel. So these countries, you know, like Japan, who was hit first, they're finally getting back to normal. So, so that's a good sign. So that's, you know, a, a little bit of positive. You know, we're not going to be in this situation forever. Yeah. They were even though it first, kind of feels that way right now. One of the first now. places hit, yeah. You know, I mean, I know for me, I'm a planner. I like to have things to look forward to. I'm like, okay, always thinking about the next two or three things coming up. You know, so right now to have nothing coming up, I just, I feel like pulling my hair out. I don't know what to do. It's like, well, you know, I can't plan on this happening. We can't do this yet. We can't book our vacation that we take every year. We can't do this. We can't do, you know, it's, it's, it's difficult. Because everything is just kind of like touch and go. It's hearsay. It's, well, maybe this will happen. Maybe it won't. I don't know. So, you know, a little bit of happy news. Japan is in the process of getting things back and running, uh, up and running, and things back to normal. So hopefully we'll be there soon. Yeah. Well, we have other, you know, more more uh, uplifting stuff to talk about. because this... I watched The Lord of the Rings for the first time. The entire trilogy. For the first time. The extended editions, too. And I had never seen the extended editions. I'd watched this, you know, many, many times. You guys, I don't think you understand. The extended editions of the Lord of the Ring trilogy. So that includes the Fellowship of the Ring, the Two Towers, and Return of the King. Back to back to back is 11 hours and 21 minutes of film. See... You're saying to everyone in the audience listening that they don't understand. I think you're the one who didn't understand going into this. No. Because you're the only one who hadn't seen it yet. A lot. Well, I think there's other people out there who haven't seen it. I would say the majority of our and listeners. maybe a lot of people, I mean, maybe they've seen the theatrical versions, but maybe they haven't seen the extended versions. 11 hours and 21 minutes. But we spread that over two days. Return of the King was four and a half hours. Yeah, and it was really good. That's because there's 14 endings and they didn't even do the scouring of the Shire. But, so, you you did your uh, your your live tweeting yes. with the hashtag Frodo and Franzia, and you added a few other hashtags as well. And we watched it and we live tweeted. You know, I was mostly following along with what you were doing. Uh, we had a few other people following along as well. Uh, we actually, Jenny and Ryan, decided to start watching it at the exact moment that we watched it so yeah, they, they could follow they along with you. They watched The Fellowship of the Ring with us, so it was kind of like having a little watch party, which was mm-hmm. really fun. And, uh, I mean, that's one of the things that they do, like, every year. Like, their, uh, their New Year's uh, consists of you know, the trilogy, the extended version, but like also 
trying to do all the hobbit meals during the day and eating what the hobbits would eat. So that's that, I mean that's a fun little thing to do. And Jenny's thirty uh, thirtieth birthday party was Hobbit themed. It was Hobbit, and I still it have was really cute. I still have the little uh, gift that she gave out to everybody. It was all um like all the food was Hobbit themed. Yes, it was all stuff was that really you could good. get from the Shire. Like, yeah, like all recipes taken from. To- no, is it Tolkien or Tolkien or Tolkien? I I say Tolkien. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna say Tolkien. But if you if you know, like, correct me if I'm wrong, please. But for for lack of not knowing, I've heard many different ways of to to pronounce it. So I'm just gonna say Tolkien. Well, there's like five different ways to pronounce my last name, and you know I don't you know it doesn't matter to me, and I prefer Tolkien because that way you can say that Martin Freeman and Andy Serkis in uh, Black Panther were the Tolkien white guys. Oh. Ha! I mean, I get it. It's true. I get it now. But, but yeah. Um, one of the things I really liked about the extended version, especially um, the Two Towers, which is my favorite of the of the trilogy, was getting to see a little bit more of the Gondor drama, getting to see uh, how Denethor and Faramir and Boromir all really like their dynamic. Because you, you obviously, you know, if you haven't seen the extended version, you can tell that Denethor, steward of Gondor, you know, father of Boromir and Faramir, is a wretched dick face. Like, he's terrible, and he only likes Boromir, never liked Faramir, and, like, treats him like shit through the entire series. But it's even worse with the extended editions. Like, you find out more and more, and, like, even when Faramir tries to you know, confront him and say, look, Boromir never would have brought the ring to you. Like, you know, yeah, I had the ring bearer and the ring in my possession, but I let them go. Like, you don't understand. He's like, oh, we would have just, we would have just buried it in a vault and only used it in the most extreme circumstances. Like, no, Denethor, you piece of shit. You would have gotten sucked into the ring's power faster than probably anyone else. Absolutely. Because, he wasn't he the one who tried to burn himself and his son when things went south or he thought things were going he south? He thought he was dead, but without checking him or, or Well, anything. he thought he was dead, but then Pip was like, no, he's alive. Well, that's alive. the thing. Like, he didn't check him. He didn't, like... And he was like, no, my son is dead. And Pip's like, no, but he's My alive. line has ended. Oh, I'm and dead. Then, like, Everything's dead. you see dead. him twitching. You see Faramir twitching. And the king's like, oh. He's oh, not well, the king. He's the steward of Gondor. Okay. This, you see the steward of Gondor. Um, well, that's the whole power dynamic because he doesn't want to give up his seat of power to some ranger from the north who claims to be Isildur's heir, which he is. You know? So it's a, it's a very fine distinction. That's the steward of Gondor because... Aragorn, son of Arathorn, is the king of Gondor. Okay, so Tolkien is like the fantasy version of Dr. Seuss. Kind of, yeah. You Bilbo, Frodo, those kind of sound the same, but then you have like Boromir, Faramir, Arwen, and Eowyn. But those, those two weren't related. No, but they but still Eowyn, sound the same. Eowyn and Eomer... I mean, and that too, <laughs> like it's kind of like Theodrin, Game of Thrones. Theodrin. I have a 
hard time keeping some of these names, but this one more so because some of these names are just like one letter off. Here's the thing, though, with Game of Thrones. Game of Thrones is like, who's that? Oh, that's Ned. That's Rob. That's John. You know, that's, you know. Uh, right. They all kind of have like nicknames. Well, no, those are their names. Rob and well, John. Well, I mean, like uh, Ned is short for Eddard. But still, like Eddard is closer to Edward than, say, like, and then, you know, Samwell. Again, John. You know, but then you have like Renly and Stannis and Cersei and you know, but look, Jamie. Jamie is a normal name. Like that's that's you know a name that we'd like the entire fucking uh, Targaryen line. Like just forget about that. But like over in uh, Middle Earth here, you've got you know it's like Denethor and Legolas and Sam. Okay, to to his like credit, it's Samwise, right? As Sam opposed Wise. to Samwell in Game of Thrones. But one of the things I said to you at the beginning, before we started watching this, was how often you're going to see or hear something, and it'll make you realize, like, oh my god, that I know that reference. I understand this reference. You could definitely see the impact the influence that Tolkien and this Lord of the Rings trilogy has had on other medium, other things, other books, other, you know, films, TV shows. So, you know, you could definitely see the influence it had on Star Wars. Yep. You can see definitely see the impact that it had on George R. R. Martin writing the Game of Thrones. Mm-hmm. And then obviously ultimately them filming the Game of Thrones series. Um, minus season eight, season eight, but you know, I see either here nor there. But yeah, you could see yeah, all you the, could see, um, the influences, right? And the, the the storytelling and stuff. He really kind of paved the way for the way fantasy was written, the mm-hmm. way these stories were told. I think the main difference between Tolkien and Martin, uh, between the two of them, is with Martin, anybody could die at any time. With Tolkien, it's like he'll kill somebody off. He'll kill off like a, a good guy just often enough to make it interesting. Like but killing like off kinda, Boromir. Yeah, but you kind of, by the end of the Two Towers, I kind of figured that our band of friends were, I figured they were going to make it to the end of the third film. The good guys die and the bad guys uh, the bad guys die and the good guys survive. That's pretty much it. Like, you can tell who the bad guy is because they're all ugly and lumpy and so misshapen. I think my, um, so before starting Return of the King, I did kind of like my own Deadpool. And I believe I said, I said, uh, Grima Wormtongue, so Brad Dorf's character. Yep. I said Sauron, somehow. I knew somehow Sauron was going to be defeated. Uh, which obviously he was this this entity that Sauron became Saruman. Oh, that's another one too. Sauron and Saruman. Like what the fuck? Smeagol and um, Deagle. Yes, Smeagol and Deagle. That's the one that really got me. That made me giggle. Um, but yeah. So oh, and and, and Gollum was another one. So it was 
You said Gollum, Grima Wormtongue, Saruman, Sauron, and Faramir. I thought Faramir was going to go because I thought maybe they would have somebody kind of, not the main characters, but one of these secondary characters kind of bite the dust. Um, But, and they kind of teased that a little bit. You think he's dead. They do this whole kind of like processional bringing him back to the 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 castle, the palace, whatever. The what? Minas Tirith. Yeah, that thing. Um, so they brought them the there. The capital of Gondor. Sure. Um, Not to be confused with Osgiliath. Yeah, there was a lot of... Okay, so I kept thinking, whenever they said Rivendell, I was like, oh, Riverdale. And it's like, no, it's not Riverdale. Also, Gandalf is not Dumbledore. I kept saying, like, oh, well, Dumbledore, I mean, Gandalf. So, yeah. That there was, were a couple that times you did that. that I thought you were doing it on purpose, but you were not. No, I wasn't. <laughs> but well, that's another thing, too. The Harry Potter series. You can definitely see the influence of some of the characters like Dumbledore. Well, how often you know, do they refer to Voldemort as the Dark Lord? And, like, that's what, you know, fucking what's-his-nuts is. Right. You know, the One Ring is essentially the Infinity Stones, the Infinity Gauntlet. You God, know? I didn't even think of that. I just thought of it like right this second. Like, but I mean, it, kind of, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's yeah. So I kind of, I kind of figured going into the third film that, seeing as our, our our main, you know, Boromir bit the dust in the first film, but our our eight remaining characters, especially with Gandalf coming back, shocker. I knew he wasn't dead, but like Gandalf the Grey was dead. Gray, Gandalf the White Gandalf is Graham. like the Pokemon evolution version of Gandalf the Grey. Yeah. Yeah, and way more powerful. Like Gandalf the Grey is Gandalf, like, I choose you! He's like the Pikachu, but like Gandalf the White, that's the Raichu. I think I'm getting that right. I don't I don't. I think it begins. It begins with an R. That might be like right, but not, I don't know my. It's like a Pokemans. not okay. So so Gandalf the Gray is the Charmander, and then Gandalf the White is the Charizard. Charizard. I know. I know that one. I don't know Pokemon. I, I I know that my sister used to watch Pokemon, so I know some of them. I tried getting into it because it was popular, but I couldn't. Uh, it wasn't so much my thing. I like Jigglypuff though, and the Snorlax. I married the Snorlax. Mm-hmm. I love naps. <laughs> it's the best. So, yeah. So watching these films for the first time, kind of overwhelming at times. But I kind of felt that way going into Game of Thrones as well. I don't do fantasy. It's not my thing. It's not really my fandom. I cannot read fantasy at oh, all. I read The Hobbit. It took me six months. I tried reading The Fellowship of the Ring, and I made it up to the part point where they visit Tom Bombadil and like he's telling a story but he just like keeps getting up and dancing for no fucking reason at all I'm like I'm <laughs> I'm done like no he would he would just like he would just start dancing for no reason he's telling a story and he just like gets up and does a merry jig it's like what the fuck so and everybody sings I, everything <laughs> all the time it's like a musical and I'm like all right I can't musicals. I can't do this I I I couldn't I owe it to myself to try again I really do, and I'm going to try again, but it's been a long time. Again, it took me six months to read The Hobbit, and mostly it's because of what you were saying. Like, every single fucking fantasy character, it's like, 
It's like, who are you? Oh, I'm Aragorn, son of Arathorn. This is Gimli, son of Glowin, and this is Legolas right, of the yeah, Woodland that's the Realm. Thing. Like, it's, I'm so and so, son of this person. It's like, oh, hey, if you don't know who I am, maybe you know my dad. Do you even know who my dad is? <laughs> my dad owns a dealership. Like every single fucking da- guy. Like, oh, do you know who my dad is? It's like, like, fuck who my mom is, but do you know who my dad is? Denethor, son of Finger. It's like, what? So I, what? I cannot read fantasy. I mean, like, I do like some aspects of fantasy, obviously. I love unicorns. I always have. Putting it on screen know, is like, different, though. Like, witches and stuff, obviously. Um, you know, and, 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 like, magic. I'm not really into, like, the elves and stuff like I that. I like the elves but... that make cookies. <laughs> But um, I liked this story. I liked the way that it was portrayed on screen. I really liked the character development. But there were a lot of characters. However, I did have that problem initially with Game of Thrones. I keep saying Game of Thrones because I don't foresee... That's really your only frame of reference. Well, well I mean, and that's, that's kind of it. And for me, like, it's so shocking that I'm so into Game of Thrones. Like, I fucking love Game of Thrones. I I consider that my fandom. Not the books, obviously, because I cannot read them. Not that I can't read. I'm more into biographies than autobiographies. I'm... Seriously, I know you're trying to read them. You're going through them, and you tell me what happens, which is really nice. You kind of paraphrase them for me. But I feel like fantasy is sometimes just too wordy. Or, you know, I have enough time, I have a hard enough time with the English language as it is. I don't need to try to pronounce all of these made up words and stuff. Like, I'm a fucking scientist. Like, I have to, I have to pronounce, honestly, we have nicknames for all of these things, all of these crazy, long named chemicals, things that have way too many consonants or way too many vowels to pronounce. We have nicknames for all of them because we do we have a hobbit at the lab. We do. We do have a hobbit. HOBT, yes. it's an activator. Um, but but anyways, I I kind of derailed a little bit. Um, so I keep you know comparing it to Game of Thrones because, like you said, that's really the only frame of reference that I have. But I consider myself a fan of Game of Thrones because how many times have we watched the series from start to finish? A few. You know, like I think I've seen. Um, I've seen it a few more. I've times seen than you have. one through six, probably like three times. Watched season seven a couple of times. Only watched season eight once. I do plan on rewatching the series again at some point, and in its entirety. So that includes season eight. I feel like maybe I should give it another chance. Well, I recently rewatched it, and it, it season eight's just as bad. And when season eight came out, I was doing those reviews for it. And so right. I would watch it and write down my initial thoughts, and then well, I would watch true. it I would again. Re-watch, yeah, I would rewatch these episodes yeah, with you. We'd rewatch it again just to be like, okay, we saw it, and like this was our initial reaction, but let's watch it again to see if we can look at it a little more objectively. So I don't think The Lord of the Rings is my fandom. However, I do appreciate the films. I didn't love them, but I really liked them. I liked the story. I thought it was intriguing. It definitely held my attention for the 11 hours and 21 minutes that I was watching. There's a lot of films. fucking battles. Um, and that's, yes. And that's the thing. So it, uh, I had to keep reminding myself that these films came out almost 20 years ago. Yep. Fellowship came out in 2001. 
Two Towers came out in 2002, and Return of the King came out in 2003. That was the year that I graduated high school. So seeing how far advanced these films were for the time as far as CGI and stuff goes and seeing how, you know, Jurassic Park kind of laid the groundwork for some CGI, but like Lord of the Rings really laid the groundwork for like these battle scenes and like, like these grandiose battle scenes well, where you see start... thousands upon thousands of, of people or beings, I should say. Yeah, with when it comes to big battle scenes like that, that, you know, Star Wars ended up, uh, you know, kind of Star Wars came out prior to this, like the, 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 um, prequel trilogy came out in 99, 01 and 03. So there was a little bit of overlap, but the program that they used for the battle of Helm's deep, which is still my favorite battle. Um, second only probably to, uh, the battle of the bastards or hard home probably hard home but we saw that too when you know the uh the white walker goes to swing at john and john holds up his special sword and blocks it oh and then we saw the same thing happen when uh aragorn is trying to convince the army of the dead to fight for him and the ghost swings his ghost sword and he blocks it so it's like now you know where that came from Mm -hmm. uh that reference because i remember we pointed that out but the program that they used to to animate the Battle of Helm's Deep, because there were tens of thousands of combatants, and there was a lot of like uh, panoramic shots where you're 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 way far out, and you're just seeing this field of you know every one of those was an individual uh, character. Every single one of them had his own uh, weapon, his own fighting style, and. This program they used was called Massive, and it was so good that when they first tried to run the simulation, some of the good guys just turned and ran away because it was, the, the program was so smart. They saw what the odds were like, and they were like, fuck it, I'm out, and they ran away. So they had to dumb down the AI wow. so that they would actually fight and simulate a fight, which I thought was phenomenal but this also you know we're talking about effects the practical effects that were used the yes. makeup the the costumes some excellent how many times did i talk jobs. about the fucking armor of the nazgul mm-hmm. like the individual pieces you just on like the saying hands. nazgul no i just like their armor the witch king of angmar um yeah like this combined you know uh, this had everything. This has great battles. It has excellent characters. The dialogue's a little weird because, again, everybody's fucking British, which... Well, pers- almost everyone. Oh, no, yeah, that's right. Gimli's Scottish. But, like, pretty much everybody's... Except for the bad guys. Even the bad guys had a bit of a British twang to them, but all the good guys were British. All the... Uh, oh, God, the mouth of Sauron. The Mouth of Sauron was, was probably one weird. of my favorite, I don't want to say favorite characters, but favorite looks. And I'd never seen that before. The Mouth of Sauron. Uh, just very limited time on Coming screen. Coming out talking shit. Just a couple of, of minutes uh, to set up the rest of, of Return of the King. If you... But there's just something, like, I'm, I, I can picture it in my head. You know, there's just something about... 
the only thing you can see is his teeth. And he's got a big mouth with oversized yellow teeth. And just the prosthetics that were used were so fantastically done. It's just like emblazed in my mind at this point. And I just, I fucking loved it. And the way that he spoke, uh, the mannerisms that this character had, uh, and it all pretty much revolved around his teeth. Yeah, they zoomed just in on the his the way teeth. His, his teeth kind of like the, the prosthetics chomped and stuff. I just, I couldn't get enough of that one scene of Return of the King. This one makeup job I just thought was spectacular. And I mean, there was a lot of spectacular makeup jobs, like the orcs and whatnot. But this one specific makeup job I was just so, like, blown away by. And he has uh, inspired, you know, stuff even to this day. I'm showing you now, I'm showing Ash as a picture of the Batman who laughs. Is that Joker? No, it's... Or is that Batman gone crazy? It's it's a long story, but... Okay. (laughs) uh, It's an alternate version of Batman who is slowly turning into the Joker. So he's kind of both. But you see that look, and it's very much inspired by... Uh, the mouth. Well, of Sauron. I can think of um, you know, mouth of Sauron. Uh, kind of almost gave me a, a Hellraiser chatterbox vibe, a little bit with the teeth. Just because of the just, teeth, the, just yeah. the way the teeth were exposed. But these stuff. were like big, oversized teeth with like a, a helm that blocks his vision. Like all you see is like underneath his nose. Like he and his really mouth. was the mouth of Sauron because. Pretty much the only, yeah, the only thing you could see was his mouth. Yeah, everything else was covered by oversized, weird, and exaggerated. And I I really loved that. So I love some of the little details. But overall, like I said, I really enjoyed these films. I I really liked the story. I loved that for the most part, every character had a happy ending. And I kind of liked the, I mean, you know, you have the, the, the place where if it was a typical film, it would have stopped. And that was after they threw the ring and you see the ring go through and, and you know, and, and melt in the lava golems dead and stuff, you know, that would have been the natural ending of the film. But the fact they kind of go a step further and show you like, these they two wrap characters up all the loose survive. Ends. Right. I, I kind of liked that. You know, it was a little more exposition, obviously created more time to the film, but I feel like it was just worth it. It was really nice to see all of these characters get what they deserved after this, what, 13 month journey? Something around there. And putting their and lives on the line constantly. And it could have gone even f- further. There could have been a, a more of an ending had Jackson decided to go with the scouring of the Shire, but where they killed off Grima Wormtongue and Sauron in a different place. I mean, they still died in very similar fashion. It would have been interesting to have that be like its own separate film. I think that you could definitely do that, especially where Peter Jackson takes one book and turns it into three movies, which I do think you would enjoy uh, these new characters. And Martin Freeman as Bilbo. Are you speaking of The Hobbit? Yeah, The Hobbit trilogy. Yeah, so eventually I'm going to make my way through The Hobbit trilogy as well. Uh, I will talk about Bilbo Baggins and stuff. but The defecation um, of smug. <laughs> yeah, apparently Benedict Cumberbatch, Hugh Cumberbatch, is uh, a dragon. Bumble, so I'm Cabbage Patch. Very, 
Benedict Cumberbatch. Um, I'm I'm very intrigued by that, but. Uh, yeah, because I've shown wrap... you the behind-the-scenes stuff of him yes, crawling of around him the floor. Yes, doing the motion capture <laughs> stuff motion and capture. the voices and everything. I was like, okay, I you've you've piqued my interest. You've got my attention. But Martin Freeman's um, so good. So, oh, I like him in the Cornetto trilogy. Uh, the which film is the last one? World's, World's End. End. World's End. Well, I he's liked good him in that. Everything. I, but I'm trying to. I know I've he seen was, him in other stuff. He was but in I'm the trying to Office. Remember. Like the original office, he was oh, basically Jim. The original um, office. He was. I know in, Ricky Gervais is is well, uh, Martin Michael Freeman. Scott-ish. Martin Freeman's been in, uh, you know, all the a lot of the Marvel stuff. You know, Black Panther, obviously. Yes, I, yeah, okay, yeah, I do remember him in Black Panther, but I, I feel like I've seen him in other things. I just watched I him just in. I can't uh, remember what they are. Hitchhiker's right now. Guide to the Galaxy, which I hadn't seen, and he's very much plays the same type of like skittish antsy uh quirky british guy that he does as as bilbo you know kind of like his trademark like what he's known for but um i think you would enjoy it so to kind of wrap this up i want to just talk about a couple more things my favorite film of the trilogy was return of the king uh, for multiple reasons, I think that the battles were excellent. I mean, the second half of the film is just one entire battle for the most part. Um, the final bit of Frodo getting to Mordor, throwing the ring in, that whole sequence of events I, I thought was just fantastic. Shelob? Shelob. Shelob. That whole scene, I was super suspenseful, and I don't love spiders. I'm trying to love spiders, but I don't love spiders. Um, so, so that kind of made my skin crawl a little bit, which I kind of loved. Uh, and ultimately, like the the ending, the ending of of I just thought it so beautifully wrapped the entire trilogy up into this nice little package and put a bow on top and it was just so oh he's he's Sherlock he's Watson he's Watson to Benedict Cumberbunch's Sherlock yes oh i need to watch this it's i've watched a little bit of it and it's really good i need to i okay i i need to I, I think I may have found my new quarantine binge, seeing as I'm done with Riverdale for right now. Um, uh, stay out of Riverdale. Shut up. <laughs> um, so I think my least favorite film was The Two Towers. The first half. Not the second. Like, the stuff with the trees I could have done without. Tree! I am no tree. Uh, I am an ant. I, f- I felt like that just took up way too much time. However, the Battle of Helm's Deep and the other battles that were happening consecutively. Isengard. Like. Concurrently. Th- concurrently, yes. I, I'm do something that <laughs> began with a C and kind of had like a <laughs> sound to it. Uh, I Cut loved flash. that part. So I should say my least favorite of the films were the first half of the second film. Yes, that sounds about right. I mean, that's still two hours. <laughs> right. <laughs> that's still a um, uh, film. So my favorite was Return of the King, then obviously followed by... Fa- I really liked Fellowship. 
Fellowship. I know a lot They're of people good. say like Fellowship is their least favorite, but I think it does a really good job of introducing you to these characters and setting everything up. You don't get as much action until like the end. Right, but I mean, it does a like I said, it does a really good job of setting up the rest of the films. Yeah. So you know, I mean, it it could have gone on and on and on and on and on, kind of like how I am doing right now. Um, but it didn't. You know, it, it was as concise as it could be with giving you full stories, full. You know, not full character arcs, but, you know, starting to develop character arcs, getting you to care about these characters enough to want to watch the second film. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so I think my least favorite part was just the first half of the second film. The second half of the second film was phenomenal. Oh, my God. The Battle of Helm's Deep was just ridiculous. Mm-hmm. It's probably, I, I know you've said this before, and you said it already, but... Definitely one of my favorite battles, like, ever. Yeah. And I think it, it, it definitely is neck and neck with some of what we've seen on Game of Thrones. I put it above the Battle of Endor, and I fucking love Star Wars. You know, um, my favorite characters... My favorite character through each film was Sam. Yeah, and that's who we're going to be talking about today. I found myself just absolutely loving Sam, and I'm not going to say too much about that because I'm going to save that for the discussion. But my second favorite character was Eowyn. Eowyn is pretty badass. We she is no man. Meet her in the Two second towers. film, and boy, is she amazing and fucking badass in the third film. Yeah, yeah. The uh, who I, I kept calling them Dementors. They are not Dementors. Nazgul. The, is that what they? Oh, I the, not, not the wraiths, the wraiths, the wraiths. The, uh, the, they used to be the kings. Yeah, the, the humans. Um, they kept calling them the nine, but I there's another name for them. But like the Nazgul is what they they ride. The, yeah, the Nazgul is what they ride. They, the ring the, wraiths. Yes, the they used to be the kings who were given the rings. Now I'm a rapper. Hey, <laughs> um, but now they're they're kind of dementor like. But anyways, you know when the, when that that scene where she confronts this dementor looking thing and he's like i can be killed by no man that was like, the no witch man king of kill- angmar oh what the what the witch king of angmar the greatest of the nars no not narsil that's a sword fuck there's too many weird uh, yeah okay well while you look that up yeah like so this like dementor dude who apparently is like the mightiest of them all of all the, the the kings that were given the rings who want the rings back and want power and all that crap. They um, are called Nazgul. They they're the Nazgul. I thought they were writing the Nazgul. I did too. Uh, maybe they're bo- maybe it's both. I Okay, well, anyways, he's like no I can be killed by no man. No man can kill me. No Something. living man can kill me. Yes, that's the thing. And she takes her helmet off, and she's like, I am no man, and stabs him. Right oh, in my fucking face. Yes, queen! Oh, I, I, I thought she was going to be a fluff character um, you know, in the Two Towers when she was very uh, stricken by Aragorn. Aragorn? She loves Aragorn. Aragorn. You know, I never understood... The whole thing with Vigo Mortensen, Mortensen, 
um, until watching. No, I've seen him in other films. I think he's a brilliant actor. If I see his name on the bill, I'm like, okay, that's going to be a good film. But I never understood why women swooned over him until watching this film, uh, Fellowship, when he arrives and he's all like dark and smoldery and he's like, I have hair. Look at me and my hair. It's like, okay, I, I, I totally get it now. Like you do stuff. Like They're that's called cool. fell beasts. Fell beast? Fell beasts. Which to be fair, in that scene where she's about to fight him because the thing's gonna eat uh, Theod- Theoden. He's he, the the Witch King of of Angmar says it is not wise to get between a Nazgul and his meal. So, like, I think that they use the word Nazgul to also refer to the flying, fucking weird ass lamprey yeah, well, that's people. What I, thought. I thought that it was the animals that they were, I did like too. Dragon looking things. Well, in the subtitles that were on for whatever reason, they kept calling them fell beasts. So it's like that makes sense. But like, I don't know. There's a lot of names for a lot of things and they get right. confusing. A lot of things have multiple names which just yeah, I I can't even I just Aragorn is I also just Strider. I can't even. Yeah. So we're not even going to go into that. But anyways, long story short, I long really liked <laughs> yeah, that too. I really like these films. I do think that I would revisit them at some point. I think you should watch I, the other trilogy first. I Yes, that will happen. And it will probably happen this quarantine season because, I mean, it's not like I have anything else better to do with my time on the weekends. Well, with that being said, let's bring this to a close because we're already almost 50 minutes. Holy shit. So, yeah. So let's bring Sorry, this guys. to a, a, a wrap up. And when we come back, we are going to actually talk about Sam and delve into who he Sam is. Sam Wise! And, uh, yeah, so we will be right back. Deadly Grounds Coffee knows how important your coffee is to you. Every batch is roasted to perfection with a unique special method that brings out the richest, deepest, smoothest flavor you'll ever find. We're coffee freaks, too. And deadly serious about our brew. Just one sip and you'll know why we say, once you go deadly, you don't go back. It's truly coffee to die for. So when you're ready to get a little deadly, get online and order yours at getdeadly.com. It's coffee so good, it's scary. Hey there, this is JB. And if you enjoy Tales from the Crypt, then check out my show, Tales from the Podcast, where myself, and usually a very special guest, sit down to discuss the TV show, the films, the animated series, as well as the original comics. So check me out every other week on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, and of course, at TalesFromThePodcast.com. Thanks for listening, kiddies. You're all a scream. <laughs> shark Bites, Shark Bites Podcast. It's the greatest show in history. From the Dorkening Network, 
hosted by a nerd who's named Patsy. From movie reviews to tips on surviving the coronavirus, Shark Bites has it all. Follow us on Facebook and suggest topics at sharkbitespod at gmail.com. Available on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Hi, this is Dominic Pace, who played the bounty hunter Gecko from The Mandalorian, and you are listening to the Throwdown Thursday podcast. We are back. I hope you enjoyed that music. That was uh, off the uh, original motion picture soundtrack. Um, I forget which one it is now. I don't know if it's Two Towers or it's just like the whole um, the whole trilogy soundtrack. But that song was called Sam Wise the Brave, and I, I figured that's uh, fairly appropriate for what we're talking about today. So, Ashes. Yes. Sam was your choice because you really liked him and you know, I've said, and I said this repeatedly watching Game of Thrones, uh, as so so it, uh, did my brother Dave, kept saying it, everybody needs a Sam. Mm-hmm. And you didn't quite understand what that meant at the time. I did not. But now that you do, so take us through your impression of Sam when you first meet him. Because he actually, th- there were a few times where he actually laughed. And Sam made you laugh during this. I think Sam made me laugh the most out of any of the other characters. And I know that Mary and Pippin were pretty much there for comic relief. Yes. But there was something about Sean Astin's delivery that was perfection. And, you know, the way that he delivered some of these lines. Oh, he wasn't dropping his, no weaves. You know, just, just his <laughs> mannerisms and stuff. Uh, this was a really well-casted role. And fun fact, he gained 30 pounds to play Samwise Gamgee. Stupid fat hobbit. But I don't I don't know what it is. Um I entered in kind of thinking, okay, well maybe I would be drawn to this character, maybe I'll be drawn to this character. And I Sam was not one of those characters who was like, hmm, maybe I'll be drawn to this character. Uh he kind of come up came up out of out of nowhere. Uh and just I'm trying to think of the best way to describe it as to why he was my favorite. Uh, obviously, his little Sam-isms. I love how he always calls Frodo Mr. Frodo. Mr. Frodo! Always. Yes. Never, never just Frodo. Never, hey, buddy. It's it's Mr. Frodo, always. There's like a, 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 a humbleness to him. Like, he's a very simple person. Yeah, but not definitely... simple. Not simple in like a like a stupid kind of simple way. Quaint. He's very yes, because he's very smart. Yes. And then as the this this series goes on, you realize that not only you know is he very sm- very smart, but he is the whole reason why this story has a happy ending. And I I, I think his tenacity. And his bravery and his loyalty, like his whole thing was uh, he promised Gandalf that he would look after Frodo. We see that like, you know, 15, 20 minutes. Well, I don't remember really if it was 15 or 20 minutes, but very early on 
when they're still in the Shire and he's looking around and, you know, he couldn't see Frodo and Frodo was like in the, the corn, like five feet away from him. And he's like, oh, you know, Gandalf told me, don't you lose him, Samwise Gamgee. And I don't intend to. And like he's stuck by that. Like it's very rare to see loyalty like that. Um, I think a good example would be Han and Chewbacca is a good example of that type of loyalty. Chewie is Han Sam. Um, uh, it's 50-50. Like, it could go back and forth. But the loyalty they have to each other, uh, mm-hmm. they stick by each other no matter what. You know, whenever one of them's in trouble, the other one comes in and tries to save them. And, um, but, yeah, Sam is Sam is definitely that type of character, the, the loyal no matter what. And I really liked, so not only did I like the portrayal of this character, like I said, I thought Sean Astin did a very great job with this, but I really liked the character arc because just when you think that Samwise is going to walk away, even though he's been pushed away, he was kicked away, you know, just when you think that, you know, all hope is lost, like, there's Sam, you know, like, he just, he's, 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 in my opinion, he's the hero of the, of this story. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And even when he's sent away, finally, like, he's trying to impress upon Frodo the fact that Gollum is using him and misleading him and, and messing with his head. He can kind of, he's, he's people who can see through the facade of other characters. Yes. And I think that has to do a lot with his loyalty because he sees Gollum as a threat. Even if he hadn't heard all the things that Gollum said, like there is something wrong about him, something off. And Sam knew it because he was seeing the same things happen to Frodo. And he's like, okay, if this is how Frodo is acting, you know, like when Frodo pulls the, the sword on him in uh, in Osgiliath after their dealings with uh, Faramir during that big battle. And he still, you know, he sees what Frodo's become, knowing him for all these years. And he sees Gollum and is like, this is what's going to happen to Frodo if we're not careful. And it's already starting to happen. And he mentions it a couple times. Right. And he knows Frodo really well because not only are they friends, but he's also Frodo's gardener. Yes. And he kind of gets wrapped up in to the mix of, of all of this because he was eavesdropping. Like oh, I wasn't dropping no eaves, Mr. Gandalf. <laughs> Don't turn me into nothing unnatural. Uh, you know, um, with the conversation between Bilbo and Gandalf and Frodo regarding the ring, well, it was that just Bilbo it was had. just it was just Frodo and Gandalf. But Bilbo it, but had it was, gone at that point. Okay, but it was still regarding the ring, right? It's like, what did you hear? Oh, I didn't hear nothing. That is to say, I heard a great deal about a ring and a dark lord and the end of the world is all. It's like, oh, okay. Well, you know, nothing important then. But yeah, he. Uh, he even introduces himself like, who are you? Is his bodyguard, his gardener. And he like, he even <laughs> says it like in a bad way. Like I'm a bad man. Like he even tries to fight, uh, uh, Aragorn at one point. And he's like, I'll back, get away from him or I'll have you long shanks. <laughs> and you know, Aragorn looks at him. It's like mad respect, bro. Yeah. He can, he can be scrappy when he wants to be. And the strength that this character has, both 
you know, emotionally, mentally, but physically, uh, he legit carried Frodo at times. He, that, that, and we're going to play that clip because that, that gets me every fucking time. Like, that's one of those movie moments where it's just like, it's so inspirational. It's like 50 Independence Day speeches wrapped up into one second. And I, I had seen it a thousand times, and I knew that you were a big Sam fan, so I turned to watch your your reaction when he fucking did that and said that, and it was just like, and you were just like, shut up, shut up, shut up. I'm watching this. Just stop. Like, you stopped live tweeting. You would put the phone down, and you were just, like, enthralled by Sam. It's and very difficult to not get engrossed in that scene. Like, it's it's very difficult to not have that be your focal point. Like I couldn't pay attention to anything else that was going on at that time because that scene at the end in the third film was so well written and so well done that it's probably one of the best cinematic scenes ever filmed. It's one of my favorite. It's certainly my favorite scene um, followed very closely by another one that I know you liked that really hit you. Uh, in in Gondor at uh, Aragorn's coronation when he sees the hobbits and they go to bow and he goes, my friends, you bow to no one. Yeah. Like, oh, that that made me like cheer, legit cheer. Like, yeah, I I, I was really that was awesome. Um, Yeah. So kind of backtracking a little bit, getting into who Sam is. Sam was born April 6th. So he just had a birthday. He just had a birthday. During the third age, 2980. Uh, lived in the Shire all of his life. Lived mm-hmm. with his mother and father. His father was named Hamfast and his mother Belle and had numerous brothers and sisters. So apparently hobbits have litters. Hobbits breed like rabbits. <laughs> because he obviously goes on. He has one of the happiest endings. Yes. He has a, a hero's ending, a well-deserved hero's ending at the end that involves a bunch of children. <laughs> Um, so yeah, we know that he's Frodo. Well, technically he's Bilbo's gardener because it's like a trade-off. He's gardening for Bilbo, uh, while Bilbo is tutoring him. Yes. Yeah. And, um, he stays on, he just, you know, Bag End is the name of his, you know, like there's Wayne Manor or, you know, Bag End is the name of his, uh, his property. Cause it, and it's very, um, <clears throat> very, uh. I don't want to say prestigious, but like everyone wants the property. Like, you know, Bilbo makes the, the, the joke to Gandalf about like the Sackville Bagginses never, never gave him, uh, never forgave him for living so long because they want the house and they want the property. I don't know what happened to it after Frodo left. I don't know if it passed to Sam or it passed to another relative, but I think it would have been nice to leave it to Sam because, you know, Frodo didn't take anything with him when he went to the West. But yeah. And, and I think that's part of the reason why Sam is so um, loyal to Frodo is because he appreciates what Bilbo did for him. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Bilbo, of course, filling his head up with all kinds of, you know, stories of adventure and dragons and, 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 battles and wars. I was going to say, there's an innocence about Sam that's so refreshing. 
Yeah. Like, I mean, the Hobbit characters are pretty great to begin with, um, but there's something about Sam that really keeps him apart from the rest of, like, the follies of the other Hobbits. And I think that's part of Bilbo's influence. Yes. Because Bilbo, you know, Frodo says it to Gandalf at the beginning of the story. He goes, you know, we Bagginses used to be very well thought of until you came around. You know, because, you know, he brought Bilbo on the adventure and made him his burglar, which you don't know yet because you haven't seen it. But, yeah, Frodo was, I mean, Bilbo was the burglar part the, of the uh, The party. ham burglar? No, the ring burglar. Um, so, yeah, so getting into Sam and the actual story. Everything starts out innocently enough. It's this it's this trek. They're going to Mordor. You know, one does not simply walk into Mordor. Uh, guess what? Guess what they did? They walked into Mordor. Well, it wasn't um, simple at all. <laughs> well, no, it, it, it was definitely not was simple. not simple. It was a trek that took 13 months and 11 hours and 21 minutes. <laughs> and screen time. <laughs> it was a lot. Um, but yeah, there was something that... that there's a ferocity about Sam, but yet I'm trying to think of the right words to say it. Um, like with his loyalty, yes, and his love. Like he loves, like if you. I'm trying to think of the right right words here. You know um, who he reminds me of? Who? John Wick. Okay. Because I mean, yeah. If you if you look at John Wick's whole thing was I mean like his word means something. His love for his wife and his inability to grieve is what drove him. And his sheer force of will and determination is what kept him going. His loyalty to to Frodo. You know, and that's you know where the similarity to John Wick is. He doesn't have the skills that Wick had, but well, I mean, He's handy with a fucking frying pan. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you have my bow. You have my axe. You have my frying pan. Um, yeah, he can get pretty scrappy when he needs to. And that was something that you weren't really expecting from from Sam of all characters. You thought, well, maybe Merry and Pippin, which they do in the end. Yes. But Sam, right off the bat, he's just like, oh, no, not, not, not today. Not today, Satan. Like, I will frying pan you to death. And he smashes up a lot of goblins. Yeah. Like, he smacks goblins around left and right with that frying pan. But, like, it, he's he's fearless. And if he does have any fear, he doesn't really show it. No. And even to the point where, you know, when Frodo decides he's going to go off by himself and take the ring on his own because he can't trust anybody else. And Sam, like, confidently wades out into the water. Despite the fact that he can't swim, hobbits are not good swimmers. That yeah, that scene that was probably that probably solidified Sam as my favorite character because you know it's brought up early on that hobbits can't swim. It's just one of the well, things I that they. That. Well, yeah, but I mean, like it's apparently it's a known fact that hobbits can't swim, which I mean, kind of you know, and makes you see in sense in this, and um, they're in you know they're in boats in a couple of scenes, right, and, and they're very you scared. See, you see how nervous Sam is. And that's not something you get in the regular edition. The extended edition really shows how nervous he is. The boat rocks a little, just a little bit. And he's like, you know, hanging on to the sides because he can't swim. I, some of them, can, like Frodo can swim, you know, Smeagol and Deagle, they can swim. 
But when Frodo sets out to be on his own to try to get rid of the ring on his own to not endanger everybody else and at this point you know they they've become the nine you know and and they have this the fellowship yeah the the, that's hey that's how it got the name the fellowship of the the fellowship of the ring um because if you say the nine people might think you're talking about the nazgul because that's what they're called um so anyways, you know, so we see that scene and I think that's the scene that kind of solidified, okay, like I really like this character because, you know, he is just, I think it's his loyalty at the end. Like he's just so fucking loyal and who wouldn't love to have somebody like that on your side rooting Everybody for you on your team, you know, and Sam is the true hero of this story because nothing would have, the ring not so much in the first film, but definitely throughout the second film, and absolutely in the third film, has corrupted Frodo. And, you know, the fact when he sends Sam away in the third one, when he sends sends Sam after Gollum frames him for eating all the Lembus bread, he... Uh, Which, fun fact, the Lembus bread in the... Well, first of all, shout out to Riku... Our buddy who sent me a recipe I for saw Lembus that. bread. So that's going to happen at some point. But in the film, the Lembus bread was actually shortbread cookies. So that must have just been really delicious. Oh, yeah. It must have been terrible. Um, so Sam is at the finally falls the last like 30 feet down this vertical fucking staircase that I said it's more like a ladder than a stairway. Because of how vertical it gets. And he sees it and he realizes, like, you know what? Fuck this. I have proof now. I'm going up. I'm going to help Frodo. Frodo's in danger. Why did I ever leave him in the first place? That's what you see going through his head. Now, he just fell a significant distance and landed on his face. But he's like, you know what? I'm going back up there. And he climbs all the way back up. Meanwhile, Frodo's getting trapped by Shelob, stung. And then um, if he didn't get eaten, you know, Gollum, you know, if if Sam hadn't come along when he did, he would have gotten eaten. Gollum would have taken the ring. But it just so happened that a couple of orcs came down and they found him and they're like, oh, well, we're going to take him and see what stuff he's got on him and bring him up to the great eye. Luckily, Sam was uh, aware enough to be like, holy shit, somebody's coming. The even if they take Frodo, like I have to finish this mission for him because he thought Frodo was dead because Frodo had been stabbed in the mm-hmm. stomach by this giant spider that Sam fucked up. Mm-hmm. Like it wasn't easy. He didn't just like stand there and kick the shit out of it. Like he, it required a lot of. Uh, if you uh, play any Souls games, you know a lot of dodge and roll. Um, but he had the wherewithal to take the ring from Frodo, knowing what it would do to him and knowing how close he was to Mordor. It's like, no, I have to do this. If only to keep it out of the hands of other people ish. But here's the thing. Sam wasn't corrupted by the ring. So Sam was a ring bearer for a brief amount of time. He had a little bit of hesitancy trying to give it back when he gives it back to Frodo up in the castle there. But well, I, but I think that 
that hesitancy was because Frodo was so corrupted. I don't think it was because Sam was corrupted. I think it was because Sam wanted to make sure that the ring met its ultimate demise. He did still give it over uh, by his own power. Like, he didn't hang on to it. You know, similar to what um, uh, Aragorn does when Frodo offers it to him. And he's like, would you take it? And he kind of just folded Frodo's hand back over it and says, I would have gone with you to the end. And Sam you know, had the kind of the same thing. Like he doesn't have the same force of will that Aragorn has mainly because Aragorn's almost 90 fucking years old. Damn. He looks good for his age, but, uh, maybe someone will make him an eat pancake for his 93rd birthday. (laughs) Maybe. Uh, But he was able to resist it and hand it back over to Frodo. Cause he even offered earlier. It's like, you know, I could hold it for a while, you know, to help you out a little bit. And that just dawned on me another uh another um you haven't gotten to this point in the in the series, but um in the seventh Harry Potter book there's a, a scene where Harry, Ron and Hermione are, are transporting a horcrux until they can destroy it and they wear it around their necks and it makes each one of them act like a complete asshole because it's corrupting them and like as soon as they take it off it's like a weight has been lifted and they feel so much better which is clearly an influence uh from the one ring but my my theory is that sam is so innocent and he's so pure that he was uncorruptible by the ring he didn't want power he didn't crave power uh much the same way um Aragorn didn't want it. Gandalf was able to resist it. Well, even Galadriel was able to resist it. It it called to her. It was tough, but she resisted it. Um, whereas somebody like Denethor, the steward of Gondor, would have been like, "Yep, this not is the mine. king, not the king, <laughs> not the king, not at all the king," uh, because he is not from the line of Isildur. Okay, but I think it's pretty clear that the only reason the only reason that frodo was able to complete this mission is because of sam yeah frodo you know gave up frodo uh, numerous times there were times when you know i mean sam saved frodo's ass so many fucking times i lost count yeah whether it was just kind of like a nudge like nope we got to keep going you can't you know we just we just time to wake up mr frodo let's walk yep um you know trying to tell him protect him from Gollum and all the happenings that was going on you know there are plenty of times where sam overheard gollum saying stuff but frodo out of the like, range of frodo we need him we have you know we can't make it there on our own you just don't understand you know because you've never had the ring you don't know what it's done to him and frodo said some pretty nasty shit to sam too and he tried to kill him once yeah yeah, oh yeah, that happened too. We tried to kill him. <laughs> He's and like, yet- don't you recognize your Sam? Oh, your Sam. And he was crying and he's like, oh, Sam. Oh. He's like, let's get rid of it, Mr. Frodo. Okay, so speaking of that, why? Why did I want Sam and Frodo to make out so much? Because they looked like they were going to make out a whole bunch of times. Like there was some crazy tension happening at some points. Oh, yeah. Like, 
every time Frodo needed to recover from something and like Sam walked in the room and they just kind of locked eyes, it was like broke back Mount Doom. <laughs> it totally was. <laughs> I wish I knew how to quit you, Mr. Frodo. <laughs> no, it really was. And I think part of that has to do with the way they made the characters look like they prettied up a lot of these actors, Orlando Bloom especially. Okay, Orlando Bloom with the blue, like the light blue contacts and that lace front wig, like he was gorgeous. They made all the, they did that with it. Even the uh, Martin Sockis, C-S-O-K-A-S, he was in, uh, if you ever watched Into the Badlands, he was one of the barons at the beginning. And he had this really, like, weird British Alabamian accent. And it's like, they made him, like, they prettied him up and turned him into a, uh, an elf. Like, Hugo Weaving, they turned him into a pretty elf. Like, Okay, Hugo Weaving looks like he's supposed to have pointy ears in real life. All the time, yes. Like, that looks like his natural form. It looks like they, they do makeup and stuff for him to have normal ears. But I could tell you that Hugo Weaving was pretty because I watched Priscilla, Queen of the Desert, and he is in it. He is a drag queen, and he is fucking fabulous. Well, I haven't seen that one. Oh, but... you need to. It is amazing. But it's hilarious. But anyways. That's part of the reason. Like, it, first of all, they use that very soft light filter. Yeah, I was going to so say. So it looked like, like, you know, like Cinemax in the 90s. Mm-hmm. And, like, they were all well, jumping up and down for, on the yeah. bed. Yeah, I was going to say, like, all of their complexions were just flawless. flawless. Like, I, not a pore in sight. Especially, like, on The Hobbits. They all had these very young... I mean, granted, again, these films were almost 20 years ago, so these actors were younger at this time. But, like, they all looked young. They were all, like, fresh-faced. And, like, The Hobbits had rosy cheeks. And... Yeah, because, I mean, if you look at them, like, look at say, Elijah Wood in this and then, you know, anything else that he's been in, you know, he doesn't look as young and, like, pretty. Dominic Monaghan, like, compare this to Lost or Star Wars. Like, True. He doesn't look... And Lost was right around the same time. But, I mean, well, he was also playing a rock star in Lost. They were lost heroin on his... heroin-addicted yeah. rock star. You all, everybody. Yeah, but, you know, again, you know, these guys should be dirty and beat up and you know even well, I mean, with like, their wounds well not only that i mean like their feet weren't pretty like they did a really good job of oh, the, they did a great the job prosthetic with the hobbit, hobbit feet yeah and i learned something because i was very concerned with the scene where i was concerned with all of the scenes because it's like you know these guys are barefoot and they're doing all of this but the scene where they were walking through the snow I was like, oh, they're poor little cold feetses. But apparently hobbit feet are very thick mm-hmm. and very sturdy and very furry. So they're made. It's almost like natural They were shoes. also being carried. Yeah, but they were still walking. Like, it's still cold. They yeah, were still they were being doing carried. some walking and stuff, too. Like, they still had snow on their feet. They curled their little feet up. The only one who wasn't wa- trudging through the snow, and I don't know if anyone's ever noticed this, but Legolas walks on top of the snow because he is an elf. Because he's Jesus? No. Well, maybe. That is a form of walking on Can water. Can he turn water into wine? Uh, he apparently can't get drunk. 
because he wins a drinking contest with Gimli. Gimli. And he's like, oh, my fingers are getting a little tingly. And like then Gimli passes out. Yeah, but Gimli, okay, so that scene, he drank a lot. Like dwarves drink a lot. Yes, and the elf drank him under the table. Yeah, but if he can't get drunk, like... Well, he started to get a little tingly. But, but yeah, but the elf was also bigger. Like, the matter. elf had more body mass no, than the dwarf. the dwarf has way more body mass. If, if they were... Think of them as trees. Like, an elf is a slender willow, and, you know, a dwarf is like a stocky pine. Like a short, stocky, like, Christmas tree. Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot more body mass for a dwarf. They're much wider. They're broader. They're thicker. Speaking of, of, of characters that can hold their alcohol or kind of hold their alcohol, have a love for alcohol. Hobbits like to party. Hobbits like to drink. It comes in pints. And I learned that. So when Peter Jackson was casting this, he wanted an all British cast. Obviously, that's not what happened, especially with the Hobbits. So in order to have proper British pub behavior, he had Dominic Moynihan and Billy Boyd take Elijah Wood and Sean Astin out like a few nights. It was just kind of like Peter Jackson was like, here's your assignment. Go to some British pubs, you know, have a few pints. You know, uh, just take in the atmosphere and, you know, because they wanted to have that translate on screen. Yeah, Yeah. they wanted to have it translate on screen. That makes sense. Makes sense a lot. So. And it's at the bar at the pub in the Shire where Sam sees Rosie Cotton. Yeah. Well, you know, he's he's known Rosie for a while. You know, he dances with her at Bilbo's birthday Mm -hmm. at Frodo's insistence. And then, you know, that's the thing at the end when he finally, like, gets the courage to talk to her. It's like, dude, you strolled into Mount fucking Doom. You fought orcs. You carried your friend. You carrying his friend. Like Mordor. If they're at a pub, he's probably carried his friend multiple times. Yeah, but not in this situation. No, he also climbed a vertical staircase and fought a spider. You killed goblins with your frying pan. Yeah. So, like, you know, you shouldn't be afraid to talk to girls. Yeah. Like, at this point. like. But it was so cute because you see him, like, get up the courage to go talk to her. And then, like, the next next scene is is their wedding. And they already yeah. have little hobbitses. Little hobbit pieces. Hobbit, hobbitlings. Hobbit. Quarterlings. Hobbitkins. Quarterlings. Because if they're halflings <laughs> and the kids could be quarterlings. I don't know. And it's some kind of weird fraction. But I liked that. So, I mean, obviously the the ending has kind of like a natural ending where the ring gets thrown in and Mount Doom just kind of erupts. And, you know, the the hobbits, uh, Sam and Frodo, find themselves to safety-ish. And that could have been like the natural ending. It's like, okay, you know. We they can get just assume, overwhelmed by magma and yeah, lava. Yeah, you know, and... we can just assume that everyone somehow makes it out alive. But they go the step further. You know, we see the rescue of Frodo and Sam. The and then they go 
a step even further to tie up all the loose ends, which I can't, usually I'd be like, oh, that's too much exposition. But at, at this point, after spending 11 hours watching this. Yeah, what's another 15 minutes? Right? Like, I actually really appreciated that. So it was nice to see kind of everyone get their just desserts. A really, a, a true happy ending, which let's face it, after watching Game of Thrones, I'm not used to. No, and you do even with like Disney films, you don't always get the happy ending that you're looking for. It usually makes you sad in some way. But there was really no sadness to this at all. It's like everyone oh. got their happy ending. The fact that Frodo gets to go into the West and Sam doesn't. Um, I mean, I get it. Frodo was able to maintain his. I can't say humanity because he's not a human. Hobbitanity. <laughs> he's able to preserve himself despite being stabbed by the Witch King of Angmar with a Morgul blade, despite carrying the ring for so long. So I get it. I get why his contributions grant him a special place. But, and I also understand why Sam, if Sam was single, they would have taken him. I, I'm... Uh, you can't convince me otherwise. But Sam had a family. He had a but, his, well, his I think family. that's it. Yeah, his, his family. <laughs> I think that's it. I think it's like, you know, Frodo at that point, not that he didn't have much to live for at that point, but he didn't have anything really keeping him at the Shire. It just Sam where, and Merry and Pippin. But, right, but he had kind of moved past that at that point. He was, um, I don't want to say above them, but he, what he went through and what he endured kind of separated him from them, if that makes any sense. Like, it, it's, they weren't on the same playing field anymore. They weren't, they weren't the same hobbits as when they left. Like, Merry and Pippin were probably as close to being the same as when they left because they didn't endure the horrors that Sam and Frodo did. Like, they had hardship. But mostly right. their hardship was they were kidnapped by orcs and, like, for a few hours, like, they were scared. Yeah. They they I were mean, they, up in a tree for and then they were the entire the, second film. Yeah, they were in the Battle of Isengard. Yeah, they fought a little bit in the Battle of uh, Minas Tirith. Not Minas Yeah, Minas Tirith uh, in, in Gondor. But then, like... I did find myself shipping uh, Eowyn and Mary for a little bit there. Once you go Shire folk, you don't want no higher folk. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> but, I mean, Sam had more to his story at the Shire. I think Frodo was just done. You know, he wanted to go and because he went to, did he go to the Undying Lands? The that's, that, that's, the, that's Yeah, the West, the Undying Lands. Um, yeah. So I think he was just he was just done. He was just ready, you know. That's where Bilbo was. That's where Gandalf was going. You know, he was just ready to go. Whereas, you know, obviously Sam's story at the Shire wasn't done yet. So he marries Rosie Cotton. They have a fucking litter of hobbits, like so many hobbit children. It's ridiculous. He becomes the mayor of the Shire for seven uh, consecutive terms of seven years. Yeah, so he was like almost for 50 a years. long time, yeah. and then uh, he continued to write. So when before Frodo left, Frodo because Bilbo had written 
the there and back again a hobbit's tale frodo wrote the lord of the rings which was their adventure and sam wrote a song of ice and fire oh (laughs) wrong sam wrong sam uh and then entrusted the book to sam to finish like fully finish the story and so what Sam did, you know, he was mayor. He, you know, kind of made his mark on the Shire. He was, you know, h- upheld with the Hobbit folk. Oh, yeah. They held him in very high esteem because of who he was. You know, and because of what he did. Mm-hmm. He what pretty he much was... saved Middle Earth. Well, I mean, there was, and again, they don't show it in the movie, but the scouring of the Shire where some guy, and it all comes back to drugs, there was a guy who was selling drugs to Saruman, and Saruman sent a bunch of his minions to conquer the Shire in his name. And that guy was like, ha this is awesome. Then after Saruman got defeated, him and Grima Warmtongue showed up at the Shire, killed the guy who had been calling himself the chief that had been selling the uh, pipe weed, and he uh, took over, and then the hobbits found out about it. And Gandalf's like, yeah, I got to go hang out with my buddy Tom Bombadil. You guys go fuck this shit up. And the hobbits are like, we did not go through all that just to go home to a fucking war zone. Like, you know what? Let's fuck some shit up. So they went there and they fucked shit up. Like, Grima Warmtongue ends up uh, betraying Saruman and slitting his throat. A hobbit shoots an arrow into Grima, killing him. Uh, Nineteen hobbits died, but a hundred of the uh, the bad guys, the orcs and stuff, uh, got killed because Frodo and Sam and Merry and Pippin uh, rallied the Shire folk and pushed evil away. And like all the orcs and and goblins and whatever were left there, retreated and ran off. And that's part of the reason why, because. When they came back, like, you saw, like, the first reaction of one of the, the guys kind of, like, looking at him, like, all grumpy-like, because that's how Frodo, w- uh, Bilbo, was uh, received when he came back. It's like, oh, you're not a proper hobbit. You went on adventures, you know. Hobbits don't like adventures, and when you see the hobbit, you'll see exactly how different uh, Bilbo is at the beginning of this movie as he was at the beginning of... The Fellowship of the Ring. I was like, ooh, I love adventure. I'm just going to disappear and run off and go join the elves and hang out there. Whereas he was very happy to just sit at home and smoke his pipe and drink tea. And didn't need to see the larger world. Didn't care for the larger world. So when he came back, he was looked at very differently. And that's how it was for these four hobbits. They were looked at very differently, but they used that life experience and showed the people of the Shire, like, hey, it's a good thing we did this. Otherwise, we all be subjugated under the white hand of Saruman. So after Samwise Gamgee served his seven terms as mayor, after his wife Rosie passed away, he gave his book, this book that he had continued, uh, to one of his daughters, I believe it was Eleanor, and left the Shire and actually went to join Frodo in the Undying Lands. See, that I didn't know. Yeah. Probably because the the One Ring, its influence grants unnatural... Like, Gollum was like 500 years old. 
Yeah, it was because he was a ring. So even though he was a ring bearer for a short amount of time, because he held the ring, he was entrusted with the ring. It still affected it, him. It, it affected him in a, in a way. So he was able to live a long life. He was able to accomplish a lot, you know, be there for his wife, be there for his children. And then, you know, it just kind of got to the point where... He was he was just ready. Yeah, you know, he, he had knew done it was everything he needed he, to do. You know, continued this story, gave it to his his daughter, uh, so that the the stories would live on and on through you know Hobbit folklore and tales and stuff like Shire that. Folklore, um, and then you know went to so uh, they ended up. Obviously, you don't see that in the films, but they ended up together in the end, as they should. And then they made out. <laughs> and then they made out. Yes. So, well, I think that's a pretty good discussion on Sam. I mean, there's so much lore and stuff on him. We could probably fill pretty another much two any hours. Any Tolkien character, there's so many different theories, and there's a lot of backstory on a lot of these characters, and then there's all of the fan... Don't even get me started on all of the Hobbit fan fiction that I saw while trying to do some research for this character. Like, speaking of wanting them to make out, some of y'all are weird, and some of y'all are nasty, wanting them to do other things together. The Throbbit Fellowship of the Cock Ring. <laughs> but yeah, so we're gonna we're gonna end on that note. So we'll take a quick break, and when we come back... We will uh, give you all the... Uh, we have a new battle. Yeah. And I think you're going to enjoy this one. So we're going to give you all the uh, the battle and the, the fun stuff that's coming up. And uh, yeah, so we will be right back. Well, hello there, neighborinos. The handle's Mr. Most Days Off, but my friends call me Miles, and I'm the host of the Best Darn Diddly Review Show. Hello, Mr. Most Days Off. <laughs> and that's my best friend, Richie the WizKid, the co-host of Best Darn Diddly. Hi-dilly-ho there, podcast arenas. The Best Darn Diddly Review Show is a weekly journey through the entire Simpsons series, hosted by us, two guys who grew up loving The Simpsons. We discuss every diddly, every doodly, and every do. So lace up your assassin sneakers, put on your skin-tight ski suit, and head down the slopes with us at Best Darn Diddly. Stupid, sexy Best Darn Diddly. You can catch us each and every Monday on bestdarndiddly.com. Hey everybody, we are the Derailers, Goobs, Ripkin, and Jenny Bean, and you can join us once every week for a brand new derailment. It includes sidetracking, randomness, we just can't stay on topic. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at the Derailers. And please subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, and also on YouTube. Derailers! There's, there's nothing, no veil, between me and the wheel of fire. I can see him. My waking eyes. Then let us be rid of it. Once and for all. Come on, Mr. Frodo. I can't carry it for you. But I can carry you. Come on! And we are back. That, of course, being the uh, epic scene where Sam literally puts Frodo on his shoulders and carries him up to Mount Doom before he's attacked by stuff. If you haven't seen it, I don't want to. <laughs> well, I almost I almost I almost said what it was and I don't want to spoil anything for anybody who hasn't seen it. I know it's been out for a long time, but you yeah, just but saw we, it like, yourself. We just gave a whole shitload of spoilers in our discussion. Yeah, but this one is a I don't want to spoil this particular thing. 
because it definitely leads into the end of the film. But uh, as promised, we do have a new battle for you. This new week. battle! And of course, with a new battle comes a new battle. Comes, well, not a new battle theme, but, but, the, but the battle theme. Battle theme. So, Ashes, what do we have for a battle this week? Hold on, I'm writing something down. Oh, she's got to write something down. She just had an idea. Um, I just scribbled. That was horrible. Uh, so our battle this week is simple. We're calling it Sam I Am, the Battle of the Sams. We want to know, in your opinion, which Sam was more important to the outcome of the story, obviously relative to the story that each Sam is in. So obviously we're talking about Samwise Gamgee from the Lord of the Rings trilogy or Samwell Tarly from Game of Thrones. That's a tough choice. Song of Ice and Fire. Because, you know, we know how impactful Samuel Tarley was in the show, but we still don't know what he's up to in the books because we still have some ways to go. I personally, and I know, Ashes, you believe the same thing. I believe we'll that... We'll talk about our opinions next week when we talk battle results. Okay. All right. Well, we can wait. I, didn't... I don't want to persuade you anyone. You don't want to influence anyone's, anyone's votes? Absolutely not. Oh, all right. So, yeah, so it's Sam I Am, the Battle of the Sams. Which Sam, in your opinion, was more important to the outcome of the story relative to the story that the Sam was in? Uh, either Samwell Gam... Sam... Samwise Gamwell. Or Samwell Tarley. Samwise Gamty. <laughs> but, yeah, that's... Uh, so... We what are we doing next week? So we're continuing our discussion of the Lord of the Rings by talking about probably one of the more interesting characters of this trilogy. Yeah, certainly um certainly one that people know of even if they haven't seen the film, they're familiar with this character. Because even though this character wasn't one of my favorite characters, I was really blown away by the portrayal of this character. And I cannot wrap my head around the fact that this actor who portrayed this character did not get accolades, did not get... Like, how he fucking didn't get an Oscar for this, I have no idea. We're, of course, talking about Andy Serkis's performance as Gollum. Or uh, Slash Smeagol. Um, not to be confused with Deagle. What's taters, precious? That's so, <laughs> so not. What's, ta- what's, what's taters, precious? Oh, God, that's so bad. Potatoes. Boil them, mash them, stick them in the tots. <laughs> no, that's so funny. No. That was the meme, because no. the, the thing that was going around people. Boil them, mash them, mold them into tots. Put them in a, stick them in a stew. What's taters, precious? It's ruins them. (laughs) My precious. So brace yourself for like an hour and a half of of that next week. Um, No, just kidding. Maybe only like 17 minutes. 80 minutes of it. Uh, Yeah, but we're talking Gollum. So some of uh, his, his Smeagol's backstory, how Smeagol became Gollum, and 
Gollum's attachment to the ring. And how it, you know, held sway over him and, uh, you know, what it really did. Because we saw a little bit of what happened to Frodo in, in real time, but I think that Gollum's story is just tragic and... Yeah, we will get into it more next week, but I think he's uh, there's a lot more to him than what we see in the in the film here. Oh, absolutely. And we get a little bit of, of his of his backstory in the third film, but there's there's a lot more there. So we're going to delve into that character and uh give you a little more of his backstory. Yeah. Um anything else you want to Well, we have episode 200 coming up in two episodes. Yeah. um, So this is 98. And next week will be 99 and then 200. Because we can count. We can can number good. So we're going to be talking about our top characters of all time. And we want to hear your top characters of all time. So top five favorite characters of all time. So we want to hear from you. Send us a voicemail or an email to throwdownthursdaypodcast at gmail.com. Or hit us up on the social medias. But yeah, this is going to be an interesting topic of discussion. I'm having a hell of a time trying to come up with my five, only five it's tough. characters of all time. And when we when we say voicemail, like there's not a number to call in because I don't want to confuse it with uh, Amalgamania, which actually has a phone number to call in and leave voicemails. Um, but I... Uh, when we when we say that, what we mean is like you know, record a voice message on your phone and email it to us. Yes, because there has been some confusion about that in the past, and folks have asked, you know, about our phone number, and it's like we don't have one. It's just we always call them voicemails because they're voice messages. It is eight six seven five three oh nine. Yeah, see, there's no area code on that though, so make it up. Yeah, so I think with. That being said, we We will will see you next Thursday. Thursday.